0: time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, they've got a vision and a mission for their life. I want to talk to you tonight about four crashing commandments is what I call them. Crashing commandments. If we're going to crash like rhinos and we're going to to form the crash and we're going to go after everything that God has for us we got to have, there's a couple crashing commandments that we have to learn. Number one, crashers take initiative in urgent situations. Crashers take initiative in urgent situations. Jonathan's situation, Israel's situation was urgent. I mean, Israel's about to be annihilated. And one of the things I love about Jonathan is he didn't wait to hear God's will in detail, he didn't wait to just. God, what do you want to do? God, what, what, how, how do you want me to act? I mean, God, what, what are you going to do to get us out of this mess? He wasn't doing that. He wasn't sitting in his tent. Oh, God. God, please, please, Lord, speak to me. God, I don't know what to do. I only got my puny armor bear over here. He doesn't even have a sword. He's probably only got a spoon because he probably cooks for me. You know what? I, I mean, he's not sitting there just whining and crying and asking God. He doesn't wait for that. See, we all want want this comprehensive plan, don't we? We all want our lives just mapped out. We want God's will for our lives, and we want him to spell it out for us, and we want him to write the directions on the wall. But guys, that's not how God works. God doesn't work like that. If God laid it all out to you, if he laid all the steps out to you and you could see the finish line, how would we ever live by faith? How would we ever be taught faith? So, Jonathans and crashers, they take initiative in urgent situations. Let me just briefly describe an urgent situation. Let me tell you a couple things that define your generation. Number one, loneliness runs deep. Loneliness runs deep. You know why? It's from all the rejection, all the divorce, everything else that's taking place. Loneliness runs deep. Relationships matter most. Because you are deprived of good, healthy relationships, relationships matter most. And you begin to look for those relationships, usually in all the wrong places. Relationships matter most. Anger is rising. Young people are angry today. They've been given the shaft. They have not had easy lives for the majority of them. I can understand why they're angry. Hardness comes sooner. You know why hardness comes sooner? It's because all this filth and all the trash that you're watching, that you're allowing into your life, usually young people are getting really hard-hearted by age 8, 9, and 10. They're hard. In fact, I, I forget the exact statistic, but I think it's by like age 16, you've already seen 18,000 murders on TV. That desensitizes you to sin. It desensitizes you to the things that God has for you. Boundaries don't matter in your generation. There are no boundaries. In fact, most philosophies teach you that. There are no boundaries. Worth is a struggle. Because of the rejection, because of the pain, it feels like that we're not worth anything. Or why would we feel this way if we were worth something, or someone appreciated us, or someone thought the world of us. Worth is a struggle. Life is pointless. When worth becomes a struggle, life becomes pointless, which usually leads to escape as a solution. Third leading cause of death among young people, suicide. Escape becomes a solution. And really what escape is and what suicide is, and you guys have heard the Phrase before, but it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You can beat that. You can beat the things that you've struggled with, the things that you've gone through. You can beat it. You can be filled with joy and happiness and purpose. I promise you. So your entire generation—if we really look at the things that define your generation, your entire generation is in this state of emergency. There's a state of an emergency. For your generation, this is urgent. It's an urgent situation. Let's get back to Jonathan for a moment. Jonathan also acted on what he already knew to be true. Instead of sitting in his tent waiting to hear God's will, he simply remembered God's promises. And it's interesting to me that it was only when Jonathan acted, it was only when Jonathan made that first step, he made that advancement toward that Philistine outpost, and in that process, God moved and unveiled his will, but not until Jonathan took action. And students, you have to realize that God doesn't always write the plan for your life on the wall. He doesn't work that way. In fact, usually, he only gives us the next step. We don't know the outcome. We don't know what's going to happen. He just gives us the next step. But when he gives us the next step, he expects us to move out. He expects us to seize that moment. He expects us to engage in that adventure that he's leading us on. But he may only give you the next step. When we do engage, then God intervenes and God moves on our behalf. See, crashers, when you talk about crashers, when you talk about young people going after God and going after the purposes of God and their lives and in their generation, you talk about crashers like that, and you, and you automatically go to man, crashers must love adventure. Crashers love adventure. Here's the definition of adventure. An undertaking or enterprise of a hazardous nature. That's right out of Webster, by the way. Here's the next part. An unusually and suspenseful experience full of risks. That's the definition of adventure. And I love it. I mean, when you go on an adventure with God, here is what you're going, here's what to expect. Man, it could be hazardous, probably a little bit in some ways. At some point, it's going to be a hazardous journey. It's going to be suspenseful and it's going to be exciting. You can count on it. And you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. That's what it means to go on an adventure with God. That's what it means to go crash. Students, we must dare to do the things that are much bigger than we are. And part of this is a simple mindset change that has to take place. I mean, if you've never done anything daring or risk-taking or adventurous, then how will you ever become comfortable in taking a chance or a risk when God speaks to us and asks us to step out on faith? Because God's not always going to ask you to do the easy thing. In fact, usually He won't. The things God asks you to do are going to be tough sometimes. They're going to be hard. And at first glance, you're going to be like, holy cow. How in the world am I going to do that? But then you're going to catch your bearings and you're be like, yeah. Man, if this is what God wants me to do, man, I'm going to go for it. I may fall flat on my face. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to be obedient to what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. This isn't a God what, what God wanted me to do story, but I, I, it, it reminds me, this whole idea of adventure and risk-taking. I was, uh, I was 19. I was on this youth trip. I wasn't really a student, but I really wasn't a leader at 19 either. So, But I was on this youth trip, and we were uh, in Wyoming, and there's this big cliff uh, uh, there, and there were people jumping off of it, and I said, like, man, i got to jump off of that. If I don't jump off of this cliff, I, cliff, I am never going to forgive myself. I mean, i got to do this. Plus, there were, like, junior hires jumping off of it. I was like, I've got to do this. So there's no way they're going to show me up. So, uh, so I, I tried to jump off of this. In fact, one of my buddies and I were going to jump at the same time. We kind of got up. To, it was a 70-foot cliff. I mean, it was tall. It was a long way down. You know, and, and I got up and I started looking and, and we decided, okay, on the count of three, we're going to go. And I was like, one, two. Hmm. Like, my mind said, go and My legs said, you're an idiot. Do not jump. We're going to die. You know, and, and, and I tr- for 10 minutes, I tried to jump and I could not jump. Finally, I just determined in my heart, I'm taking this step. I'm going to do this. So what I did can't walk back there. I I walked back like 20 feet, like 20 feet from the edge. I looked straight ahead at the horizon, and I just ran as fast as I could, (laughs) knowing that the momentum would carry me off the cliff. And that's what happened. And I jumped, and I loved it. It didn't even hurt. (laughs) It was awesome. But that's what an adventure with God is going to be like. Sometimes he's going to ask you to jump. Don't do anything stupid. But he's going to ask you to jump. He's going to ask you to dive into his purposes and what he wants to accomplish. What he wants to accomplish through you. And sometimes we just got to force ourselves to do it. We got to force ourselves to be obedient. We got to force ourselves to take courage and just take the step of faith. Three three words out of verse chapter 6 separate crashers. For most Christians today, three words out of verse six, come, let's go. Come, let's go. It separates those who are crashing and the majority of the rest of the young Christians today in our churches. Most Christians today aren't doing anything. I mean, some may may want to, but they just sit around waiting to see if someone else will step up and then maybe they'll decide to get involved. And so many of the church today in our nation are so consumed with their own pursuits, they're so consumed with their own ambitions that they've missed the authentic, fulfilling life of excitement and adventure with God. That exciting life of living by faith, by activating that faith. So crashers take initiative in urgent situations. We have to take initiative. We have to, as DSM, as a student body, We've got to take initiative. Crashing commandment number two. Number two. Crashers don't allow culture and circumstances to dictate their lives. They simply choose how they're going to live. They don't allow culture and they don't allow circumstances to influence them. They just choose how they're going to live. You see, Jonathan, he left all the consequences of his actions in the hands of God. He didn't know the results. He didn't know if he was going to live or if he was going to die. But he acted on the promise that God made to Israel a few chapters earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Where God had already promised that he was going to deliver the Philistines into the hands of the, uh, the Israelites. God promised it. Jonathan knew that promise. Jonathan heard the high priest probably declare that promise. Jonathan knew it. And he acted on it. He knew God wanted to do something. I mean, he trusted God's promise. I mean, don't you believe today that God wants to do something in your generation? I believe it with all of my heart. God wants to do something mighty. Something mighty in your generation. And I see the promises of God in the scripture for that. And I believe it. But you have to believe it too. God wants to move. Here's the problem we run into. The problem we run into is we all want miracles. We all want to see these mighty movements of God. We all want to see these acts of God. We want to see miracles. We want to experience miracles. We want to be witness to the movement of God. We want to be witness to those powerful to his powerful supernatural ways. I mean, do you agree with me? We all want that. We would love to see that. But then we spend our entire lives in this vegetable state. On our sofas, being entertained by reality TV shows, being entertained by movies and stuff that doesn't glorify God, being entertained by COD online. I mean, that's what we do, 20, 25 hours a week. Tell me if I'm wrong, young men. Playing video games. I'm okay with a little video games. I like a little COD once in a while. Sometimes I have a long day and I want to go home and shoot people. It's all right. Just on the video game. All right? It's okay. But man, your life better be immersed. It better be immersed. It better be flowing out of. It better be just filled with the Holy Spirit and with God and with the things of God. It's okay to relax. It's okay to just blow off. It's okay to be a vegetable for an hour out of the 24-hour day. It's okay to relax. But my goodness, the other 23 hours, you better be You better be cranking it. You better be going after it. You better be on God's tail. God, what are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you moving? I want to be a part of it. I don't want to miss it. See, that's what God's looking for in your generation. That's what God desires. In fact, I could probably back this up with Scripture, but I bet God's eyes are in each and every one of you individually. In fact, I know they are. They're on each and every one of you individually. He's just waiting. It's like, man, what will you do? Will you begin to move? Because God's waiting. He's ready to act. He's just waiting for you. He's waiting for you to move. It's like we intentionally avoid the very context in which miracles take place. We can't avoid that context. I mean, how many of you in the last week have commanded someone to get up out of a wheelchair and walk? Are we even looking for people that need the healing of Jesus Christ? Is it even a part of our conscious during a normal day when we see somebody on crutches? Do we think automatically, "Oh man, I'm going to go pray for that person." I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to step out in faith and maybe we'll see a miracle. Maybe God will do something. Or do we say, "Oh, that guy's on crutches. That sucks for him." I mean, how do we begin to think the way that Jesus thinks? To begin to think how God thinks. How many of you have picked two friends this semester who didn't know Jesus? And and, and, and you picked these two friends and you started praying for them every day. In fact, you started inviting them over for dinner every week. On a weekly basis, you would invite them over just to build a relationship with them. Just to build the opportunity for you to speak life and truth into them. How many of you have been so intentional with the friends that you know, either in your neighborhoods or in your schools? In fact, how many of us just, how many of us have even thought, wow, it'd be cool if some of my friends got saved? See, for some of us, we don't even think that way. But we have to be intentional. We've got to start thinking that way. We've got to start having the thoughts of Jesus, the thoughts of God. God, what do you want me to do? God, where are you moving? God, where do you want to move? I'll take the first step. God, wh- what's going on? I mean, God, how can you use me? In fact, where is Emily? Emily, are you, come here, Emily. Will you hand her that mic? <laughs> Emily, before, uh, just tonight, about, what, an hour ago, maybe? Man, you just told me this incredible story. And, and I want you just to share, just in a brief okay. three or four minutes, that story of what, what you shared. Okay.
1: Hi, guys. I'm Emily. Um, I'm a senior, and I go to James Irwin, and, uh, I just really wanted to share with you something that, that, uh, happened this past week that really just rocked my heart in a crazy way. Um, so, you know those people, we all have them in our lives, and you see them, and you're like, oh, hey, what's up? How you doing? You're cool, yeah. Okay, have a good day, bye. You know those people? Yeah? Okay, well, there's a, this girl at school, uh, who's like that, with me, and I, like, don't have a relationship with her, um. But I saw her this past week, and I was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm good, thanks. But, like, something was off about it, you know? And so, um, so later, uh, later that day, I saw her crying. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And um, she's in my English class. And so I noticed that she wasn't there. And, um, and I asked my teacher if I could go back to the, to the administration offices to see if she was back there. And my teacher was like, yeah, go for it. So I walked back there, and... Um, And lo and behold, in the back room, all by herself, she was sitting in the corner, like, just bawling. And so I knocked on the door, and I was like, hey, can I come in? And she was like, yeah, go for it. And so I opened the door, and I was like, hey, um, I know we're not, like, friends, but, like, if you want someone to talk to you, like, I'm here, I'll listen. And, um, And so I sat down, and it was like... Dead silent for like two minutes. Like that's a long time when you're trying to talk someone to try, trying to talk to someone, right? So I was like, "Okay, God, does this mean like just walk away, or what does this mean?" And He was like, "No, just be patient with me." And right then, like, like the tears just begin to fall. Like, and she just she just shared her brokenness with me and her hurt and her pain and her anger and her bitterness, um, just over so many things that had like built up over all the years. And so. Uh, so as I was sitting there just listening, I was just like, God, just give me an opportunity to show her your love. Like, give me an opportunity to show her who you are. And um, and so right then, uh, my best friend Rachel walked in the room and sat down, and I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so um, so she sat down, and, and, um, and I was like, okay, this is it. So um, uh, right as uh, this new friend of mine uh, took her breath, I, I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah. Um, and I was like do you believe in God? Like, who, who is Jesus to you? Um, have you ever like, had a relationship with him? Like, what does that mean to you? And she was like, well, uh, I went to church when I was little, and she began to cry. And I was like, okay. And, um, and she was like, but I never, like, believed that Jesus loved me. Like, I never believed that God cared about me, that I was worth any value. And, uh, and that just, like, broke my heart, and right then, God was like, this is what you were being patient for. Like, this is, this is the time that like, I was going to use, use you for. And so, um, so, right then, it was like, Holy Spirit, like, move in my life, like, speaking through me into her, it was just, like, amazing, like, I began to cry, and I began to, like, show her, like, God's love for her, and it was, like, amazing, like, in that split second, like, I began to realize that I was passionate about so many things I had never realized before, Mm. like, things just, like, started to stir in my Mm -hmm. heart that I was, like, wow, like, I didn't know, like, I had such a heart for the broken, like, I knew I was passionate about injustice, but I didn't know, like, that it was to this extent, and so, um, so, I mean, what the heck, right? I got to tell her who Jesus was. That's awesome. And so, yeah.
0: So you invited her, right? You yeah. her to.
1: Yeah. And so then um, I pulled out a daughter's card. I had a daughter's card in my, in my backpack. And I pulled it out. And I was like, there's this thing at my church. Um, it's called Daughters. And it's like this discipleship group for like high school girls. And we meet with like older women. They just counsel us. Um, like through stuff that's going on in our life, and I was like, "Can you just promise me that you'll come to one, and you don't have to come to anything else than that? But just like promise me that you'll come to one, and uh, and see if you're feeling it." And she was like, "Yeah." So I mean, I don't know. I just really believe that that God is like, "All right, guys, like just take the first step." And once we get once we like take that step, like He's gonna bless the crap out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like it's crazy because it like doesn't that. even <laughs> is it, like I don't know. I feel like victory. Um, like, that God just totally had victory over the situation because even though, like, she didn't accept Jesus, like, in that split second, like, I believe out of obedience, like, simply because of obedience, like, a seed was planted in her heart, you know? And so, I don't know. I just want to encourage you guys, like, take that first step. It's so worth it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That's a rock star. That's what it means to crash. That is awesome. That is awesome. I heard that story out there, and I was just like, oh. That's what we all have to do. All she simply did was make herself available for God to move. That's all she did, and God moved. And I'm believing for the salvation of her friend, her new friend. And I believe she's going to come to Daughters. And she got her phone number, and she's going to call her, and invite her and make sure to meet her here. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's what it is. I had a young lady a few years ago on my leadership team, and she was challenged by one of my other adults. Why don't you find two of your friends? Two people that, you know, you probably, you don't know very well, but you know who they are, acquaintances, and why don't you just start ministering to them? Why don't you just start praying for them every day? Why don't you start inviting them over for dinner once a week, just to pour into their lives. And you know what she did? She found two girls, and she began to pour into them. She began to call them. She just began to encourage them. She invited them over. She'd cook dinner for them uh, once a week. And in three months, those two young ladies found Christ. Within three months. It was simply being intentional. We have to be intentional. That's make the first step. Let's move and see what God does. I mean, you never know what he's going to do. He can do anything. Let's just be young people, young men and women filled with faith and just move out like rhinos and just crash, not knowing what's way down. They're only seeing just a little bit in front of us, but running fast after the things of God. We experience God's movement, and we experience God's kingdom on this earth when we choose to be intentional and get out of our comfort zones. It happens when we choose to embrace big visions and big dreams that are way beyond our own abilities, and it happens when we simply choose to make ourselves available. It happens when we choose to leave this American consumeristic dream behind. We forget about all the stuff that the world says we need, That sometimes we feel in our own hearts that we want. When we choose to forget about all that stuff and just chase after God. When we choose to be like Jesus and do the things Jesus did, not just in here in the church building, but out in the world. When we choose to be like Jesus, miracles happen. It's the realm of uncertainty, but miracles will happen. It's when we experience the kingdom. When we step out of what is comfortable and beyond our own strength, we step into that realm of uncertainty. The realm of uncertainty is the place where if God doesn't show up, we're going to fall, I said it earlier, flat on our face. Or we're going to look like a fool. To be a crasher, you have to be willing to live there. You've got to be willing to look like a fool. You may pray for 20 people, and 19 of them may stay sick. But one of them might get up. One of them might be healed of cancer. One of them might walk for the first time in 20 years. I I don't know why it happens like that. I don't know why there are some people I pray for that nothing changes. But all I know is I've prayed for some people and I've seen cancer removed. I've prayed and I've seen a guy who was on his deathbed with a heart attack and had heart disease get healed and was fine the next day and went home. I mean, I've, I've seen great things. I've prayed for a lot. And I haven't seen them all healed, but I've seen some. It's just a matter of stepping out of our comfort zone and being willing to look like a fool. I mean, it's not my problem if God doesn't show up. That's his problem, right? I mean, that's not our job for God to show up. Our job is simply to be obedient. When we're obedient, there's a really good chance God's gonna show up. We have to be obedient. In fact, next week we're gonna talk about obedience a lot so it's this realm of uncertainty it's a stepping out not knowing what's going to happen not knowing the results this is the place of miracles and there's and there is nothing to worry about because when you move out on an adventure with God he's going to show up he's going to be there for you he's going to move on your behalf all right crashing commandment number three we're going to move quick crashing commandment number three crashers advance at all costs Crashers advance at all costs. I use this illustration and Brake Free a lot. But you know, if a car is standing still, I'm from Detroit, so I got a lot of car illustrations. Uh, If a car is standing still and the wheel's cranked and turned all the way over and you try to push that car, it's really hard. It's very, very difficult to push. But once you get that car moving and you're pushing a car and it's moving forward and then you begin to turn the wheel, man, it's real easy to steer that thing. It's real easy to make it go where you want it to go. Now think about us, going on an adventure with God. If we will just start moving, it gives God the freedom to turn us real easy, wherever he wants us to go. If we're standing still and not doing a thing, it's going to be really hard for God to push you. (laughs) But God can turn you when you're moving. So crashers advance at all costs. See, crashers don't wait for the road map. They act in what they already know to be true and what they already know about God. They act in, in the process, God moves and unveils his will, but not until we move. Now, don't miss this. In the process of action, God moves and reveals his will. In the process of action, God reveals his will. He's not going to reveal his will if you're sitting under a tree. But if you decide to go after it, if you decide to go crash, if you decide to take on 20 men in the Philistine outpost, God might show up, and that might be a pretty cool miracle, and maybe you've been afraid to get in the game. Maybe you've been afraid to take that big risk or that leap of faith that's been on the back of your heart or the back of your mind for some time. And maybe God's been impressing on your heart to witness to the scariest person in your school or someone who's older than you. Or, or maybe he's asking, maybe it's asking forgiveness for some, uh, to someone who, who's, who's hurt you in order to restore that relationship. Or maybe God's been asking, uh, I've been speaking to you about starting a new ministry or, or starting a prayer group on your campus or, or just with a group of friends. I mean, whatever it is, you just haven't mustered up the courage to do it. And see, in the kingdom of heaven, victory comes the instant you refuse to simply watch life happen around you. And you start being intentional about living life for Jesus. That's when victory comes. And for many of us, because we fear failure, we are afraid to try anything risky or new for Jesus. And here's how this plays out. Guys, because we fear to do anything out here, like in real life... I mean, we, t- we tend to live out our adventures through Indiana Jones and William Wallace and Maximus Aurelius, don't we? I and mean, when we see movies like that, we're like, uh, Rocky. And we see movies like, yeah, I'm going to go work out now. I'm going to be like that guy. I mean, we just, that's how this is the most, yeah, go get him. You know, I mean, you're, re- you're ready to box after watching Rocky. I mean, it's just, we live out our adventures through that. And girls, you're not much different. Girls, you live out your adventures through sappy love stories of adventure, like Letters to Juliet, Sweet Home, Alabama, Pride and Prejudice. You're like, oh, oh, I just want a love story. (laughs) I'm telling you something. Let me tell you something. The greatest adventure is not living out your fantasies through the TV. Or through the movie screen. The greatest adventure awaits you as a person in real life. For you to step into that realm of uncertainty. For you to step into that place of miracles. For you just to simply get up and move in any direction where there's no path marked. Where you're depending upon God. Where God can turn you and steer you. Where you're putting your trust and your faith in God. And God's going to part the way for you. That's where the adventure lies. And I believe God is waiting for students of this young generation to move, to act, for you to take the initiative, for you to step out of the unknown, for you to step into this place of miracles. We just got to step into it. It's there. When I mean, we have the power of the, ki- of the kingdom of heaven inside of us. We have Jesus on our side. He's for us. He's not against us. All we got to do is step into it. That's it. Crashers know that when we fail to move, we lose the power to change lives. Crashers know that when we fail to move, we lose the power to change lives. Let's go to number four, last one. Crashing commandment number four. Crashers, I love this, this is my favorite one. Crashers believe in armor bearers because they were once one themselves. They believe in their armor bearers. See, Jonathan created an environment for his young armor bearer where where his young armor bearer's faith could just be unleashed. I mean, his armor bearer is extremely interesting to me. He's an interesting interesting dude. I mean, if you put him in a group of people, he would be the least qualified. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't a fighter. He was unarmed. He was inexperienced. He was untrained. He was probably a young kid, about 15 years old, who carried armor for a warrior. But in this moment... Jonathan moved with great passion and great urgency, and Jonathan dared to defy the mighty Philistine army and and his young armor bearer. He couldn't resist the invitation of such great faith. See, that's what happens when you start acting in faith. When you start displaying faith, people come around you. People want to be like you, they want to go where you're going. And you begin to have great influence. In verse 13 it says, So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. I mean, the armor bearer didn't hide behind a rock. He didn't watch from a distance. He didn't pee his tunic or his pants or whatever. I mean, he just watched Jonathan's back. He, I mean, he followed Jonathan up, and he engaged the enemy face to face. In that moment, an untrained, unarmed, inexperienced teenager, just like you, became a mighty warrior. He became a crasher because he dared to believe as Jonathan that nothing could stop, nothing could hinder, nothing was bigger, nothing was more powerful than their God. And isn't it just like a teenager to save a nation? A teenager saved a nation. And I believe some of you in this room, if you will decide in your hearts to crash, you too will save a nation. Definition of a crasher. One who charges out of their comfort zone, sometimes under hazardous conditions, in order to rescue another. That's what crashers do. To be a crasher, you have to step where others wouldn't dare. You have to jump when others think you're crazy. You have to fight when others tremble with fear. And you have to go where others would never go. You've got to be willing to do that. I love this. C.T. Studd, an old theologian, said this. He said, some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Who are we going to be? Which are we going to do? It's never God's will that we live in thickets and cisterns and holes in the ground and caves. He has called us out. He has called us to advance the kingdom. He's called us to be extraordinary. He's called us to crash. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.